It's tough, had enough, and it brings you to your knees. Open up a window, let the blues fly out on the wings of a melody. Keep on singing. Don't matter if you're singing a lonely song Keep on singing If you keep on singing Somebody's gonna sing along Life is a dream Peaches and cream And everything goes your way Just assume that your dreams come true. It's another perfect day. The night creeps in, and things get grim. It's the darkest it's ever gonna be. Open up a window. Blues fly out on the wings of a melody. Keep on singing, even if you're singing a lonely song. Keep on singing. If you keep on singing, it's somebody might sing along. You're singing a lonely song Yeah, keep on singing If you keep on singing Somebody might sing along Keep on singing It don't matter if you're singing a lonely song Oh, keep on singing Good afternoon. I'm Pastor Stephanie, and I get to be one of the pastors here um, at this church. 
And I wanted to let you know on behalf of uh, Jordan's church family that you are welcomed, you are embraced, you are loved, and you belong. Church should be a place where we don't have it all together, that we can come messy and broken and lose our stuff and still be held with dignity as someone worthy to be loved. My prayer today is that you experience that. We're all gathered here today because we loved Jordan. We're gathered here today because Jordan loved us. Jordan loved the creator and creation and all that had breath. He saw everything that had breath as someone or something to be loved, explored, marveled, known, included, and embraced. Jordan was one of the most unique creations of God. (laughs) He loved fiercely, and he lived fully. Some of us here are coming from really different backgrounds. Some of us know Jordan as husband or dad, grandfather, brother. And so many of us would say that he was our best friend. We know Jordan as climber, gatherer, bouncer, (laughs) the first on the dance floor, maybe the last to leave, someone that always came with that twinkle in his eye and his smile because he was really excited to talk to us about something. (laughs) He was a man that when I saw him on um, the last time I saw him, had glitter in his beard. I love Jordan. I'm humbled to be one of his pastors. I don't know how he always made all of us feel a little cooler than we really were. (laughs) Dr. Renita Weems says that there's a sanctity of inarticulate prayers. So it's okay if we don't have the right words or any words. Just know that you are loved and God hears your wordless words that are coming from your heart. Let us pray. Oh God of grace and glory, We remember before you today our brother Jordan. Thank you for giving him to us to know and to love as a companion of our pilgrimage. In your boundless compassion, would you console us who mourn? Give us your help so that we may see death as a gate to eternal life, that we may continue our course on earth in confidence 
until by your call we are reunited with those who have gone before us. Wrap us in your love today. And we pray this in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I trust this won't be too somber. I'm sure that, you, that uh, Jordan wouldn't want it to be too somber. I got a joke coming. <laughs> Okay, I'll have to get down like this. <clears throat> they said I had three or four minutes, but that's before they told me I had to read scripture. <clears throat> this is in Revelation 21, 2 through 7. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heavens from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. <clears throat> and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They'll be his people, and God himself will be, them, will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated, seated on the throne and said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'll give them water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I'll be their God. They'll be my children. Okay. Let's get funny. If you knew Jordan, you'd know that uh, music was maybe the essential part of his life. Well, certainly one, his family was the first part of his life. Um, and he would, you, inevitably you know Jordan was arriving when you saw somebody come in the door with a banjo. And uh, he brought his banjo, everybody went and wanted to play the banjo and, you know, got people who didn't, well, playing uh, things like ukuleles, play along with his banjo. And, um, but I, I'm indebted to him for Langhorn Slim and John Craigie and Nancy Griffith and John Prine and Hillstop, Todd Snyder and the Avid Brothers. And without Jordan, I wouldn't have known any of those people and I missed all their terrific music. Uh, he was not into the Beatles though. And uh, <laughs> he uh, actually, uh, it was uh, Scarlett who, uh, who found out about the Beatles at school and came home and and threw her bags on the ground and said, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jordan had his reasons. But he was always, he was always in the leading edge of music, and, uh, and, and playing at the, being involved at the Wonder really gave him a chance to see all the new things that were coming through. And he never stopped being affected by new music and by new people, and... Um, he was absolutely uh, uh, marvelous in the way he related to all that stuff. I was going to say something about him being adventurous, but I haven't got time. And uh, the rock squad basically can speak to that more than I can, that's for sure. 
Um, I will say that the thing that Jordan was to me, and uh, he was the best friend I've ever had, and I know that many of you consider him your best friend, and he was a big man. He had a lot of best friends, I think, you know. And uh, But Jordan was a visionary. Um, he wasn't just bright because he was bright. He wasn't just articulate because he war was articulate. Um, he wasn't just well-read because he was well-read. But he put this all together in a vision for the future and for the present that uh, was remarkable. And uh, if you could get past the questioning stage of it, uh, <laughs> where he would basically, I don't know if it was Socrates or Aristotle who had the questioning method, but uh, uh, Jordan certainly lived in that particular method. And uh, uh, his questions were insightful, uh, often not understandable. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he kept me on the leading edge all the time. And uh, this is one of the books. He used to give me books, and, you know, I'd be so completely confounded when he gave them to me. I would look at them on my shelf for months and months and months and said, how in the world can I possibly read that? Uh, this is one of the latest ones he gave me, Whiplash, which is a, by a guy who is the director of the Media Lab at MIT. Well, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> but... Um, that's just what he, who he was, you know. He was Jordan Disco, and there will never be anybody like Jordan Disco again. And uh, and we all want to fill the holes in our lives with different things, and I'm sure we'll fill this this hole with different things. But I know many of us will never fill the hole at all. So, thank you. My dad decided to take a banjo lesson for the first time at the ripe old age of 61-ish. Um, and the song that he was working on forever and ever was Ring Them Bells. Um, and he would get little tiny little bits of it and be so excited, show it off. It'd be like 10 seconds of picking and it was beautiful and wonderful, but um, he was so excited about it, worked on it forever. And this is that song. Oh, it's 
It's rush hour now on the wheel and the plow, and the sun is going down upon the sacred Ring them bells, sweet mother, for the poor man's son. Ring them bells so the world will know that God is one. Oh, the shepherd is asleep where the willows weep, and the mountains are filled with love sheep. Ring them bells for the blind and the deaf. chosen few who will judge the many when the game is through ring them bells for the time that flies for the child that cries when the innocence dies ring them bells St. Catherine from the top of the room ring them Fortress for the lilies that bloom. Oh, the lines are long and the fighting is strong and they're breaking down the distance between right and wrong. I'm at that age, I have to change my glasses. <laughs> Jordan Disco began his remarkable life on June 30th, 1957 in Birmingham, Alabama. At the age of 12, he learned to play the guitar and this began a lifelong passion of music, keeping him centered through his travels and life's ups and downs. At the age of 19, it was time to pull up his roots and expand his world. After a cross-country trip, Jordan landed in the Gold River, British Columbia, on the northwest end of Vancouver Island. This is where Jordan was introduced to and developed his love for the outdoors. Jordan worked at a logging company, planting trees, and eventually worked his way into a position of forest engineer, surveying and laying logging roads. Now let's face it, Jordan didn't quite always do things by the book. <laughs> there was a good chance that he did not have the documentation to be living and working in Canada. So risking deportation, it was time to leave. I've been hanging out a little bit with his Alabama family, so if you hear my, um, my Texas accent come out, um, I don't apologize. <laughs> so 
Well, Jordan found himself in Portland, Oregon, apprenticing as a carpenter, which led to his own contracting business. During his early Portland years, Jordan became part of the Portland roller skating scene. <laughs> I'm just picturing <laughs> the short shorts, uh, right? In his free time, Jordan and his friends would ride the bus up to the zoo and bomb down to Council Crest down to downtown Portland. The early 80s recession hit Jordan hard, and there was not too much to do as a carpenter. Jordan moved to Colorado in search of work, and he picked up a few new hobbies along the way, including skiing, rock climbing, and mountain climbing. He landed in Crested Butte, where a broken back from a ski injury allowed him to add <laughs> ski area DJ <laughs> to his resume. <laughs> this is where he met Deb. And it wasn't too long before she was smitten with his charm, adventurous spirit, passion for music, and ability to fix things. They were in love and soon married. If you guys know anything about them, they never stopped being in love. They eventually moved back to Portland and started a small business at Saturday Market selling Hawaiian print dog collars and raising three girls as probably their marketing. <laughs> Jordan loved his family, friends, community, and city. Driving around Portland, it was common to hear him point out buildings that he worked on his back in the day in the carpenter days. The man was part of Portland, and Portland was part of him. Not wanting to get stale, he was always in search of new and interesting music, restaurants, and breweries. He learned to play the banjo, loved on his family, traveled, traveled, and traveled, and spent most of his available free time outside or playing music. His appreciation for the environment was unmatched, and he had no trouble telling you when he thought that you didn't respect it enough. He had a great passion for the un underserved and struggling, he had many grand ideas to help and heal our broken world. His ideas were too often grand for one person, and it would require all the brightest minds to see them come to fruition. On a perfect Oregon summer morning, Jordan was mountain biking with Chris on the Sandy Ridge near Mount Hood. Near the end of the ride, he suffered a cardiac arrest. Despite heroic efforts from his friend Chris and the paramedics, Jordan did not make it. On July 31st, 2019, Jordan passed away quickly, doing something he loved with a friend he loved in a place he loved. Forever Jordan will be on Mount Hood. Jordan is survived by his wife, Deb Disco, and their daughters, Ruby and Violet and Scarlet. His daughter, Lori Disco, his son, Rod Disco, and his wife, Rod's wife, Jennifer, his grandchildren, Jake, 
Lindsay, Cole, Brody, and Braylon, his siblings, Blair Harris, Michael Disco, Jeffrey Disco, and Amy Disco. up this morning to garbage truck looks like this old horseshoe's done run out of luck if I came home would you let me in find me some pork chops forgive my sin surround me with your boundless love Found me with your boundless love I was drowning in the sea Lost as I could be You found me With your boundless love Sometimes my old heart like a washing machine Bounces around Till my soul comes clean When I'm clean When I'm hung out to dry I'm gonna make you laugh Until you cry Surround me with your boundless love found me with your boundless love. I was drowning in the sea, just as I could be. When you found me with your boundless love. If by chance should find myself at risk Falling from this jagged cliff Look below and I look above Surrounded by your boundless love 
Surround me with your boundless love Found me with your boundless love I was drowning in the sea Lost as I could be Found me with you, boundless love. Drowning in this sea, I was lost as I could be. When you found me with you, drowning in love. Surround me with you, boundless love. So it's not like me to get up here to say something, but he would have liked it. So here I am. I spent my whole life fighting what he wanted for me, and it's funny how all that can change on one Wednesday afternoon. So many things come to mind when you think of my dad, and the list goes on and on, so I'll keep it short. My dad was truly a unique soul, and I feel so blessed to have him as my immediate dad. He was a father figure to so many, but still had time to be the best dad in the world to us. And I really don't think I'll ever understand how. Thank you for teaching me the value of family. I'm sorry it took me a while to understand. But I am thankful he got to see me learn. The long list of extended family and friends he created for us, filled with the most love and support I wanted to thank him for. And no matter how many times I messed up, he taught me that as long as I always looked ahead to the future, the past would work itself out. And when I got into trouble, he was always there to cushion the blow of mom's natural response to adolescent stupidity. (laughs) He would always come in after the initial shock with some wise words of wisdom, his talks. And I'm sure many of you experience the frustration trying to get the right word in at the right time in confusion of where this could possibly go. (laughs) Tangent upon tangent. Um, When I tried describing my dad to people, I always ended with, you would have had to meet him to understand. He was there through every step of my life, always cheering me on, while at the same time challenging me to expand and confronting my fears. And as I finally matured into an adult, he was there as my equal, learning from me and listening to me, never afraid to remind me how proud he was of me. His passion for finding things he loved and exploring every avenue was inspirational. He taught us to love, and he definitely wasn't done on this planet. It's true, really, really true what they say, the good die young. I love you, Papa. Twenty-two years is not enough time at all, and there are a lot of things I'm heartbroken that I didn't get to do with him or learn from him. 
While sorting through the thousands and thousands of photos to find the best ones of my dad for this day, I noticed a common theme, graduation. The act of completing something big and opening a new chapter in your life. There were photos of him at each high school and college graduation of my sisters and I, at his own graduation from college, and many silly photos of him, my mom, and friends messing around in caps and gowns during Boston legal nights and other funny parties. More than graduations, though, bar and bat mitzvahs, weddings, rock climbing milestones, confirmations, birthdays, and anniversary celebrations. The last time that I saw my dad was at my own college graduation. Now I'm not making this about graduation, I just want to recognize how much my dad would show up and be present for those big steps in life. He was the supporter and foundation for so many of our dreams. The man that said, do it. He wasn't a quitter and expected the same from each of us. He cared so deeply about every single person and didn't want to see them give up on their dreams. His love went to infinity and beyond. He became unemployed during the recession of 2008 when I was just beginning middle school. We entered a new relationship of being buddies. We did everything together. We spent hours hunting for records in record stores, drinking fancy coffee, talking about music past and present, attending many concerts and having discussions that helped grow my young mind. He taught me so much during this time, like how to rock climb strong enough to get on the competitive team, how to dance at weddings, bar mitzvahs, and 80th birthday parties, how to skate backwards, forwards, and cross over around turns so I could join the Portland Roller Derby team, and he showed me how to love almost every moment life has to offer. He started packing more of my lunches when I was in middle school, and he would put healthy food and notes into each one because he cared so much about my mental and physical health. I saved a lot of those notes, and I wanted to share two of those with you guys. One is, how is your lunch, Scarlett? Mmm, noodles. <laughs> I wish I had some right now. If you took all the noodles in your thermos and stretched them out on the ground, they would reach to New Seasons Market. <laughs> Love, Papa. <laughs> and another one, Happy Friday. May the bluebird of happiness fly over you and not poop. Love, Papa. <laughs> the wonder and silliness of his thoughts in these notes are an example of how he took on life. He asked all the questions to all the people, creating conversations that some were not prepared for that left them a little changed. He never shut an idea or a dream down. Earlier this week, I went on my dad's last ride. I rode his bike. It was my first time on a full suspension. I went with Chris, one of my dad's best friends, that went on this ride with him two to three times weekly for the last three years. It was the perfect ride to be his last. Not rocky, a relaxing climb, and the most beautiful green Mount Hood scenery you could ask for. Seeing the last of everything my dad saw in his last hour was comforting and a little reassuring because I knew he was having fun, loving life as he always did. The other thing I noticed while going through the photos was he knew how to take a damn good photo. <laughs> his secret? Motion. The man rarely struck a pose. Instead, he would insist on walking, looking elsewhere, being mid-thought. It drove us nuts as kids. This resulted, <laughs> this resulted in variety and excitement in every memory. 
This is a perfect example of how he lived. My dad knew what it was all about, living and getting every ounce of glory you can for the brief time you are given. He managed to squeeze a hundred years of living into a mere 62. We must seize the day and perform the show we all hope to proudly take a bow for one day. I'll leave you with one of my favorite notes from my dad that I always have on my desk or use as a bookmark as a constant reminder. What you feed will grow. Find out what you want and feed it. Love, Pa. Who could use a cold beer right now? I'll have you know it's not Jordan's fault that there is no beer in here. Uh, if he would have had his way, we would have had taps kind of over there in the back, and you would have all been free to refresh yourselves whenever. Uh, I'm uh, Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. I had the privilege of serving as uh, Jordan's pastor, and um, that was one of the first suggestions that Jordan came to me with. When, when you're a new pastor, you get a lot of suggestions in a place, um, but his was the most intriguing and exciting, and probably not the wisest to do my first year here, so it's probably more my fault than his, that you uh, don't have taps re ready and available. Um, Jordan longed for you to know that you were loved. Jordan longed to take down any barriers between you and him and between you and God. Jordan was a guy uh, who, who participated with zeal in the church and with his own unique spirit. Um, and it came out of this overflow uh, and an experience that he consistently told me about. We'd meet uh, every so often for coffee where I'd get peppered with questions and ideas. But one of the things that Jordan would, would tell me about is he'd say, Mark, I had, I've had an encounter with God. I've had this experience with God uh, that changed me. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm here because I know it's real. He knew that God was real, and he had had an encounter that changed him. It reminds me of a, a story from the Bible about Jesus. Uh, and, and let me say, I, I think of Jordan as the kind of person uh, who was for the people that Jesus was for and against the people that Jesus was against. And Jesus was usually against kind of religious-y church folks, so sometimes he was against some of us here. Uh, but he was absolutely for uh, some of the people that Jesus was for. This is a story about uh, when Jesus calls Levi. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. So just so you know, tax collectors were like um, sellouts to the Roman Empire. They were kind of, uh, they were usually rich and, and kind of the gathering spot for the bad segment of town in any town. Um, because they had some resources to party with, and they didn't really care about the rules, okay? Uh, so, so Jesus went up, and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. 
Jordan was the kind of guy who would be willing to get up and follow. Jordan was open to the truth. He was mind-bogglingly open to the truth and always searching it out, always searching for how it's going to work itself out. The next part of this story uh, echoes more of uh, kind of Jordan's character. So after Levi left everything and followed Jesus, it says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Jordan was somebody who, uh, because of this encounter, because of what, who God was in his life, because of the way that he was changed by his experience with truth, his openness to truth, his experience of the divine, he was always throwing a banquet. And people who are always showing up, right? That's why we're here. We're showing up still in response to something that we saw in Jordan's life. Some glimmer or touch that intrigued us, that made us feel loved. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But years go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom is, will be taken from them. In those days, will, they will fast. And then he told this parable. Jesus had a way of explaining things in some indecipherable story. Not that we know anyone else like that. <laughs> here's here's Jesus' story. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking the old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. This tells this story uh, where, the, where the basic premise is that the container has to make, match the thing that you're trying to make space for. It's a story that's often used to, to challenge our traditions. It's Jesus coming in flesh, God coming in flesh, and challenging all the boundaries all the things that would keep people from experiencing the radical love of God. Life is designed to be intoxicating. Life is designed for adventure and love and connection. And Jordan was somebody who would remind us that the containers we put around this life that God wants for us have to match the life itself. 
that we can stretch to make room for everyone who God loves and welcomes. When I think of these wineskins, the ancient growlers, uh, it also reminds me of the way that God has made us and the way particularly that God made Jordan. That there is a way uh, that, that Jordan housed the Holy Spirit, um, housed the divine, made space for what God was doing, and that that space came to touch and interact with us. Jordan was a wineskin or a growler that, that held what we needed in a form that we could manage to connect with the divine. And that's what I'd have us uh, take away as, as we go forward from here. Jordan is safe in the arms of God. Jordan will meet us on the other side, uh, and he'll have the party started. But the reason, uh, part of the reason we're looking forward to that so much is because Jordan didn't wait to really live. We can be tempted to wait to really live until it's too late. But Jordan wasn't going to do that. And I think his life, his example, the way that we've uh, been in touch with him uh, can inspire us today to think about what it is that Jordan contained for you, the glimpse of God and truth and beauty that Jordan contained, and to take forward uh, that way that it can intoxicate you, to fill up your life with joy and love and express itself uh, in its own unique way through you. My name is Chris. I didn't, um, I learned something about Jordan today. That he, he would never talk to me about something he didn't like. He would only talk about things that he loved and were passionate about and stuff he wanted to turn me on to. So today I'm really lamenting the, ch I never got the chance to complain about the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> With Jordan, we could have had a lot of fun. Can I just say that um, this is so Jordan. I just met Chris in the parking lot after church today. And I was supposed to sing the song, but I didn't, couldn't practice when practice was. So Chris says, well, let's just practice now. And Brian said, that's so Jordan. <laughs> <clears throat> May God bless and keep you always May your wishes all come true May you always do for others That others do 
for you. Mean build a ladder to the stars. If I'm on every rung, may you stay.
Hello, everyone. I'm Rod Disco, Jordan's son from Birmingham, Alabama. And for those of you who care to know, Portland is approximately 2,500 miles from Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> but this distance did not stop Jordan from being an awesome influence mentor, an inspire, thought provoker to all the family members in Alabama. I wanted to speak at his memorial. I'd given memorial speeches and eulogies before. Putting this together has been the most emotionally difficult one I've ever tried to do. When I sat down a week or two ago to put my thoughts together, it became apparent this was going to be a daunting emotional task to do Jordan justice at his memorial. I started thinking, where would I begin? Where would I end? What to include, what not to include? I wrote many notes and many thoughts down. I, dis I discussed it with my wife and three boys. I discussed with Jordan's oldest daughter, Laurie, her daughter, Lindsay, and my mom. Meanwhile, I'm seeing all these articulate, awesome posts on Facebook from disco family and disco friends talking about Jordan. And the whole time I'm saying, yes, he was this, and yes, he was that, and awesome. He was such a complex and unique person. I wish I had his brain today to be able to describe him and what he meant to me. From the earliest years, he had so many hurdles and obstacles to overcome and that were put in Jordan's way to try and have a relationship with Laurie and me. But as you all know, Jordan was a pit bull and nothing was going to stop him. One of my earliest memories of this was when Jordan drove from Colorado to Brookwood, Alabama to see my sister and I off to school for our very first day. He brought me a hammer on that trip and taught me how to use it. Jordan also took us to Moundville that day, or that visit, near Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Jordan seemed to always know all the cool places in Alabama even better than I did. <laughs> Jordan constantly wrote letters, sent postcards, called us, and came to town every possible occasion, regardless if he was living in Colorado, Oregon, or even Canada. He made his mark and his influence on us early on and often. This is where I get a little messy. Pastor Stephanie mentioned earlier we get a little messy. As time went on and I got older, I began to get closer and open up and really listen to Jordan. Jordan brought my sister and I to Oregon first when I was 13. He introduced me to mountain bikes. 
And even though through the years, you can't tell it now, he taught me how to lift weight in a gym correctly. (laughs) He and his side of the family taught me about exercising, eating healthy, taking vitamins, just taking care of yourself. Be kind to yourself. As our relationship evolved, at first it was like he was an older brother or friend, always giving me the perfect advice at the perfect time, the the perfect knowledge to deal with what I was about to be facing and what life was about to throw at me. He always seemed to be a step ahead of what was about to happen. And that remained true my whole life. That continued for years. And as those years went by, he went from Jordan to Concept, which maybe only he knows what I mean by that, to my dad. Through this time, he cracked the code of having a special relationship with all of his kids and grandkids, nieces and nephews. Our dad could connect with people better than anyone I have ever met in my life. And the most funny, happy, energetic, charismatic, brilliant man that I ever knew. I'm biased, but hey. He always swam against, against the current and pressed the envelope, living life to the fullest always pushing us to be a better version of ourselves. And I could carry on and on and ramble on. I didn't know how much time I had. But I'm going to leave or mention a couple of thoughts that Jordan left me with to ponder through the years. When we were discussing eternity and higher power and faith, He compared eternity to this. Life is one grain of sand. Think of eternity as all the grains of sand on the planet. One life, one grain of sand. Eternity, all the grains of sand. Another thought-provoking thing he laid out The three most similar events in life, a wedding, a birth, and a death. And I thought about that for years and experienced all three. And the best thing I could come up with was, I mean, I agreed with him. And I thought new beginnings, they're ceremonial, and they're emotional. But he always made you think. And no matter how you came at him, if you thought you knew what you were talking about, you better know what you're talking about. (laughs) And another idea was, whatever I chose to do in life, as I was growing up, give 100%. If you're going to be a garbage man, be the best garbage man there ever was. And that stuck with me, for, and not to, uh, all this 
carries on through my sons. Jordan lives through all, a lot of all of us up here, and y'all know the treasures in Oregon. He has treasures in Alabama. But a, one of the other thought-provoking statements he gave me, and it's on the brochure, but he taught me this about the time we were talking about eternity. But he, he said, if you are crying at my funeral, then you did not know me. I know what that means. Took me a while to wrap my head around it, but I know what that means. But in the end, words can't describe Jordan Disco or this loss. That's a tough act to follow here. Uh, I know you said uh, if we really know Jordan, wouldn't be crying, but i got to be honest, it's going to be hard for this group up here. Um, Stephanie said it's cool, though, so I'm good. I got my ammo. Uh, <laughs> no booze yet, not yet. <laughs> That's at the after party later, uh, uh, which is really where we all met and why we're standing up here. So um, a few of us are going to say a couple words and then... Uh, a little thanks to Jordan or a goodbye. Um, this special group of friends here uh, are from Jordan's climbing community. And we all met at different times during the early millennium, <laughs> clumsily, nervously working our way through plastic holds at impossible angles uh, inside this tiny little climbing gym not far, far from here where the after party is over at Stoneworks. <clears throat> at some point, we all banded together Many of us meeting after Jordan had cornered us somewhere for about 45 minutes. Uh, and, 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 you know, and it was to discuss everything from diplomacy to dessert. And um, it seems to be a common theme this afternoon. Uh, and then he somehow was convinced us to join a quickly growing group of adventurous. And it was Jordan who named this tight-knit group of misfits, uh, calling us the Rock Squad. And uh, he was J-Rock to us. <laughs> it was Jordan who kept us together for nearly two decades. We've all known each other. And um, been climbing with the girls in diapers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point, yes, thanks. <laughs> Good clarification, Ruby, thanks. Uh, Ruby wasn't in diapers, just for everybody's... That would have been really awkward. Uh, so despite our individual past through marriage and children, mortgages, careers, Jordan never led us stray so far from one another that we couldn't stay abreast of all the most important parts of our lives and bring us together during the most important times. Jordan was a true renaissance man. He and his wife, Deb, literally defied the laws of time, having lived five lifetimes of adventure, while most of us are still just trying to get through one. It's not easy to find words in the human language to remember a man like that. 
among the many adjectives that describe our friend Jordan. Loyal is among the most fitting. Though we individually grieve the personal loss of an amazing figure in our lives, collectively we recognize and dearly miss Jordan's commitment to his community, friends, and family. It is rare to find an individual who would go to just about any lengths to show up for something you really cared about, and even more rare to find someone who would find the time to show up for as many people as he did. We witnessed him do this effortlessly for his friends, his wife, and his children. And this is why, for many of us, Jordan also exemplified the definition of genuineness and sincerity. Jordan's dedication to his family was important to him, as is evidenced by his amazing wife, Deb, and all his children. We enjoyed many moments with the discos as a couple, music, nights out for drinks, get-togethers, camping trips, and we enjoyed things with the discos as a family. Movie nights, climbing trips, bike rides, holiday parties. Ruby, Scarlet, and Violet, whom we all knew as small children, have since grown into beautiful and successful young women during the course of our friendship. They inherited their mother's beautiful looks and charm and their father's charisma and young heart, and yet learned how to make a point in less than five minutes. <laughs> We love them and grieve for their loss. If losing a friend this dear to our hearts saddens us to our core, we can't imagine the pain they must endure at the loss of a father and a husband. We're here for you all and want you to know we grieve alongside you. In this time of reflection, we may feel the need to harbor a sense of guilt as we consider the times that we may have missed with Jordan. There's moments that we could have taken advantage of, but didn't. Uh, times where, in retrospect, something that seemed more important took priority over an interaction with our friend. I'd like to ask you to consider a different opinion. If you search your hearts and you find that you were a friend, a family member, or a loved one of Jordan's, then you can take solace in knowing that every interaction spent with Jordan, regardless of the time in between, was genuine and meaningful because Jordan simply did not know another way to interact with you. To Jordan, nothing was trivial, and so any moment, no matter how brief, had meaning, because Jordan was so intentional in his connection with the people he cared about, the quality of those interactions was far more important than the quantity. We would be honoring Jordan if we would concentrate our efforts in the interactions with the people that really mattered to us in this exact way. So there's a quote from a Serbian poet, Stojanovic, that reads, one hand I extend into myself and the other towards others. We interpreted the quote to be about generosity. A true craftsman, <clears throat> Jordan's best tools were his hands. They were built like bricks. <laughs> Callous from decades of hard work and fun and craftsmanship, and yet he could be incredibly gentle and compassionate with them. From a handshake to a hug, to a head scratch for his favorite pets. <laughs> he used them as a form of expression with everything that he touched. 
music, construction, sports, everything Jordan laid hands on became a work of craft and patience. And much like his works of art, he lovingly crafted his way into our hearts and will forever, we will forever have the memories of him etched into our soul. Uh, at this time, there's a few people here, I think, that wanted to say a little something. And um, we'll just open mic night. <laughs> Thank you for helping me slow down when we were hanging out. Showing me that life and friends are more appreciated and enjoyed that way. Um, I just want to sort of thank thank him for like introducing me introduce, introducing me to music. It means so much to me, and we had so many songs that we were going to finish, <laughs> and I had so many thoughts of like us mountain biking till we're really old and our beards are going down into the spokes and the gears and stuff like that, and. Um, and I just, I just, um, I just, I miss this guy, and, um, there's a couple of things I wanted. Um, most of all, I just, I think I'm really going to miss his amazing guitar playing and his, his laugh around the campfire. Um, that Wednesday, I don't know why. Chris and I ended up being the ones that day, but over the last couple weeks, um, being with Deb and the girls, I wouldn't trade any of that experience for anything, and I fell in love with my husband all over again with his courage and his resilience and his love for his best friend and what he went through that day, and just... I love you guys so much, and we'll keep partying on and keep camping on, and we're going to be okay. Love you guys. Love you guys. Forever Young was really a good song for Jordan. We always joked that he would never tell us how old he was. And we always tried to trick him into telling us how old he was. We did finally find out, but really, when you look at the pictures, you realize that though Jordan aged, he was still forever the same. And he brought joy and excitement in everything he did. He taught us how to love unconditionally. He taught us to dream and live and love. There's no foot that can fill his shoe and no banjo that can bring music to our hearts like his and no smile that can bring energy to our soul. Uh, last thing I would like to say is uh, I know that Jordan has passed on to a better place right now, and sometimes I often wonder if, now that he's passed on to a better place, finally, all the answers to all the questions that he's ever had <laughs> have finally been revealed to him. And if that's the case, I really hope that, in his own way, along the way, he can drop a little bit of knowledge for us until we can catch up to him. And if, by chance, in this moment, he is sitting with the Creator who has the answer to it all, I really hope he talks her ear off till we get there. <laughs> One more thing here. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so Jordan uh, and Jordan, uh, everybody I know, our, our time, our physical time with him was too short. Uh, but I'm thankful yet again 
for Jordan bringing so many families together and so many people together. It was something I was often thankful for. And Deb, girls, love you guys. Uh, and uh, Rod and everybody from Alabama. Well, I don't have that accent yet. I'm sure going to work on it. <laughs> I look forward to working on it with you. Hopefully I was close. Uh, <sighs> I love you, Jordan. And we would all be so lucky to leave this earth with lungs full of mountain air, a heart full of love, on a bike with a best friend, glitter in our beards, <laughs> and blue painted toenails. <laughs> See you later, buddy. Thanks. Hello. I actually just caught myself from saying, hey, y'all. There's nothing wrong with that. No. <clears throat> so we're Jordan's little brothers. Uh, you know, we had different moms, and we were separated by about 20 years. It was always very strange when we got to got to talk to him because in spite of the the miles you know and the and the years that were in between us we got to see ourselves reflected in each other you know in a way that you only get with your sibling you know and I just wanted to say too that you know Jordan had one of the biggest lights of anyone, but you can see it in all of his kids. So Deb asked us to do this Avid Brothers song.
when my body won't hold me anymore and it finally sorry lets me free will i be ready when my feet won't walk another mile and my lips give their last kiss goodbye will my hands be steady when i lay down my fears my hopes and my doubts rings on my fingers and the keys to my house with no hard feelings when the sun hangs low in the west and the light in my chest won't be kept held at bay any longer when the jealousy fades away and it's ash and dust for cash and lust and it's just hallelujah and loving the thought loving the words loving the songs they sing in the church and no hard feelings lord knows they haven't done much good for anyone kept me afraid and cold with so much to have and hold mm. when my body won't hold me anymore and it finally lets me free where will i go Will the trade winds take me south through Georgia grain or tropical rain or snow from the heavens? Or will I join with the ocean blue or run into the Savior true and shake hands laughing and walk through the night? Straight to the light, holding the love I've known in my life, and no hard feelings. Lord knows they haven't done much good for anyone, kept me afraid and cold, with so much to have and hold. Curving skies, finally learning why it matters for me and you to say it and mean it too. For life and its loveliness, and all its ugliness, as good as it's been to me.
I wrote some words for Jordan uh, to share with you guys. I'm going to call it Love and Wonder. Um, legend has it that the discos came over to the Parks house one Sunday afternoon in 1989 for Sarah's confirmation party, lingered after to chat, and then never left. Somewhere along the way, between then and now, they became a family. I was lucky enough to marry in uh, through Sarah Park and fell in love with the John Wayne loving, planes, trains watching, back porch, bourbon sipping, big life living discos immediately. And Jordan was the ringleader. He wasted no time making an impression on the day I got married when he slipped me a small, unmarked brown paper bag with contents he described only as for my wedding night. Uh, as, as Sarah and I left the reception. We barely knew each other at the time. Uh, but, but that didn't matter to Jordan. After all, we were family. Uh, Mother Teresa once said, the problem with the world today is that we draw the circle of family too small. Jordan was the exact opposite. His circle just kept getting bigger. Ask anybody who's ever been to his house for Thanksgiving, or any of these wonderful people here today from Alabama, or the Wonder, or Stoneworks, or the folks from West Hills. Love does that to a person. And Jordan was bursting at the seams with love. He loved in a way that made you know you belonged and that he always wanted more. This kind of love, this kind of living, has an eternal quality to it that you felt when you were around Jordan. It's why most of us, even today, fully expect him to walk through those doors, holding a banjo case in his hand, ready with a hug and a new story to tell. Uh, last time I saw Jordan was about two weeks before he died. I happened to be in their neighborhood after work, and I almost didn't stop by, not knowing if the discos were home, and if they were, fearing Jordan might rope me into a long, meandering conversation. <laughs> so it's old hat now. Wouldn't be able to find my way out of. But I remember thinking I wouldn't get a chance to see them again for a while, and that Jordan was always so appreciative when you made even a little time for him. Ten minutes, I promised myself. When I pulled up, Jordan was in his driveway, proudly putting the finishing touches on a homemade retractable canopy for he and Deb's ever-evolving camping van. It was for Deb, he said. Bullshit, I thought. <laughs> he, was, he was loving it. After 20 minutes, I was getting antsy, having blown by myself imposed 10-minute curfew with no end in sight. When, when Jordan dropped one of his out-of-nowhere parenting gems on me, I'd come to rely on him for these types of things, to take my parenting to the next level. Uh, he started talking about how special it is to have brothers and sisters, how these are relationships you have your whole life, continuing long after your parents are gone. Not a new idea, but with Jordan, there was always a twist. In a way that only he could, he got this grin on his face. He looked around like he was about to disclose the location of a buried treasure. 
leans in and proceeds to tell me that he and Deb have been conspiring over the last few years to keep their girls connected as they grow into their adult lives. Many of you know that Ruby, Violet, and Scarlett traveled to Vietnam together last summer. Turns out, uh, Jordan and Deb had given them each seed money at Christmas for an adventure of their choosing. The only caveat Jordan reveals is that they had to do it together. At this point in the story, his grin broke into an unbridled smile. He steps back and he says, now how about that? And I'm left standing there, loving every minute of it. Loving. Loving every minute of it. Drawn into this man's never-ending... <coughs> drawn into this man's never-ending love for his children and his desire to have them love each other after he's gone. I knew immediately that we'd be stealing it for our kids. And I know now that this is what I'll miss most about him being gone. Jordan led me to the unexpected, to the what if, to the think about this. If Robert Frost took you down the road less traveled, Jordan nudged you down the hidden, wildflower-laden path you didn't know was there. <laughs> I learned to love these wanderings. My life, my faith, my parenting, my marriage, our family was so much more beautiful because of his wonder. Life just won't ever be what it could have been now that he's gone. But I know that Jordan would never stand for that. He couldn't stop looking for a better way. Jordan lived his life like a man possessed by love and wonder. And I'm quite certain he wants us to do the same. It actually sounds a lot like heaven to me. We'll see you. We'll see you when we get there. Thanks for showing us the way. Sorry that took so long, it was comedic. Uh, yeah, Carrie was mentioning just that, that time after Jordan's death and, and the bond and the sacredness of um, being with Deb and the girls. And um, uh, one of the topics that came up was uh, 
what to do with Jordan's remains. What were the plans for Jordan's remains? Um, and, and the answer uh, from them was something along the lines of, oh, lots of things. Um, so uh, that, got, that got me thinking, and as I went on a run, a song came to me um, that they asked me to play here. So we'll do that. Uh-oh. Is this muted? Scatter me high on a mountain top. Oh, scatter me high on a mountain top. I loved every step up, every tiny little rock. So scatter me high on a mountain top. Scatter some in the bottom of the deep blue sea. Scatter some on the bottom of the deep blue sea. Cause you know I've been low if you know me. Scatter some on the bottom of the deep blue sea. Put a little in a locket, hold me close to your heart. Put a little in a locket, hold me close to your heart. Don't even worry if you lose me, that ain't the main part. Put a little in a locket, hold me close to your heart. Hide me in the rafters of the studios. Go on, hide me in the rafters of the studios. When I listen to the music, won't you swing below? So hide me in the rafters of the studios. When old Jesus comes back, I'll be riding in tow. When old Jesus comes back, I'll be riding in tow. Then meet me up for a joint blue bottle grotto. When old Jesus comes back, I'll be riding in tow.
Well, I'm sick of weeping, and I think that it's time that we start a party. So um, we're going to sing loud, and I think you should stand up, and I think we should open up the doors, and uh, uh, let's just do one together.
Shall we just sing together? Oh, I